Welcome to What's the Data Point from Citizens Budget Commission and Gotham Gazette. I'm Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. I'm Maria Doulis from the Citizens Budget Commission. You can find our work online at cbcny.org and follow us on Twitter at cbcny. I am at Maria Doulis. And I'm at Tweet Ben Max, and we're at Gotham Gazette. Gotham Gazette is a New York policy and politics publication published by Citizens Union Foundation. You can find us online at GothamGazette.com. Before we get started with today's show on this podcast, we're delving into all sorts of topics related to New York policy, budget, data, and all sorts of issues that affect New Yorkers' daily lives, sometimes, though, not brought to you in digestible (laughs) ways. But we're trying to break that down and make sure that folks can understand some of the key policy and budget numbers and interesting matters that affect everyday lives in New York. For today's episode of What's the Data Point, we have a guest, John Bright, a Citizens Budget Commission trustee who was formerly head of risk management at Merrill Lynch and has also worked as a risk manager for the New York City Comptroller's Office. Welcome, John. Thank you. And for our data point today, Maria. The data point is 2008, the year in which New York City's economy entered what has since become known as the Great Recession. Put it simply, crisis in the housing markets led to a collapse on Wall Street, which quickly affected Main Street. New York City lost 213,000 jobs over the course of 2008 and 2009, and 52,000 jobs were lost in finance. The city has still not recovered the finance jobs lost, and though they have been replaced in other sectors, those sectors offer wages far lower than what's pulled in on average on Wall Street. It's a big change for the city's economy. Besides striking the city's economy and causing a decline in tax revenues, the Great Recession had another impact on the city and state, huge investment losses in the pension funds. The city lost 5% in 2008 and 18% in 2009 of the combined value of the pension funds. The state lost a whopping 26% in a single year in 2009, putting lots of pressure on public coffers to increase spending to bolster the funds. Here with a unique perspective on these issues is John Bright. Welcome. Thank you. So that's a lot of data from Maria, as we usually do at the top of the show, and we're going to unpack it all. You can obviously uh, uh, rewind to listen to it as needed. (laughs) But um, I mean, one of the key things that we're talking about here in terms of pension funds is what the city owes its retired workers. And that's a huge amount of money because New York City has a huge municipal workforce. And so there's major, major financial obligations. And John's going to talk to us a little bit about that for sure. So, John, you were on the front lines when the economy crashed in the middle of the first decade of this century. We're going to get back to that in a little bit, uh, hear about you know your assessment of what went wrong and, and what the real risk factors were there. But that also very much relates to the New York City pension system for public employees and the pension funds and questions around whether the city pension funds invest their money in a risky way. Uh, what's your perspective on that? What are some of the flaws in in the current system? It's a normal human failing to discount future money more heavily than you really should. And future obligations. And future mm-hmm. obligations mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but both ways. You know, most of us would rather have $100 today than $110 two years from now, but that's actually a pretty good rate of return, 5% mm-hmm. a year. But nonetheless, the, 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 we, we all have an internal in the discount hand. rate. Yes. And, and it's particularly tempting uh, 
when you're in politics or a union and you don't want the taxpayers to be imposed upon right away to defer things. And one way of deferring them is to use a discount rate that's very high. And we used 8%, the actuary. But how do you earn that discount rate? Well, you're not going to earn it in debt markets or in corporate bonds yielding 3%. You're only going to get it from equities. So the pension fund over the years had become very heavily invested in equities. And when equity markets went up, everyone loved it. And then when they went down, oh, my God, Wall Street just ruined our pension fund by, you know, crashing the market. But was that too much risk? Was it was, was it over leveraged in equity or is it only in hindsight that it's too much no, risk? No, no, no. It, it was, it's obviously too much risk for a pension fund to be that dependent on, uh, on equities. But they had no choice. If bonds because are yielding 3%. You're not going to discount these cash flow, these the, the the pension liabilities at three percent. You bankrupt the city overnight. There's not enough money to pay at that discount rate. Not even enough money really at seven percent, let alone at, at three. Right. So I think to, to take a step back um, in terms of yeah. the city's pension funds, um, there there the portfolio has shifted towards equities yes. over time. Um, that has made the earnings more volatile as a result. But at least in the, as early, you know, as far back as early, I guess that depends on how you think about it. But in the 90s, it all seemed to be working swimmingly well. Yes, because, we had a long rally and it worked. Yeah. Right. And the pension funds were making their return and it was great. And then suddenly there was the crash of 2001 where the pe- pension funds lost yes. a lot of value and basically spent a decade making that up. And before the decade was out, we had this crash again in yes. 2008. Yeah. Um, so there's a big question there about whether the, the asset allocation and portfolios of the pension funds need to be a little bit more conservative. And you would say yes. Well, yes, but on the other hand, if you make them more conservative, then the actuary is not going to be able to assume that we earn 7%. Right. And we'll have to drop the actuarial rate down, which will cost the city a fortune. Right. And so... So that's the dilemma. To fill out the chain, if you assume that you are earning less, the other side of the equation is then to, as John says, discount the liability at a lower rate as well. And the effect of that is to make the liability look much greater. And even at 7% now, there's $65 billion on the city's balance sheet and unfunded pension liability. So to draw it down to say, I don't know, 4% even um, would make that grow tremendously, which means the city would have to kick in a lot more from the budget. To every be, year, yeah, because you amortize year. that over 20 years and it comes to real money. That's right, to bolster the funds. And the city's already poised to put in $10 billion yes. from a city budget that's almost $90 billion. So... It's a big conundrum here. Um, There's a responsibility to the workers to say, hey, we want to maintain a healthy pension fund. Um, But there's there's also only so much the city can afford to pay out from the budget towards pensions. So can we just even reiterate that a little bit, but break it down a little bit more? So the city has made promises to its public employees Mm -hmm. that the fund itself can't keep. Well, it, the fund can keep it if it earns if it makes seven, an excess of 7% for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And the city continues to put in its contribution yes. and workers continue to pay in at the rates they are now. I mean, part, part of 
the difference here, if you will, between the private sector and what the 401k that plans that most people have for themselves and what the city does is that, you know, you are, as an employee, uh, promised that pension benefit when you retire. The terms are set in statute and our state constitution in New York says you can't change that contract. And the courts have ruled that that contract is whatever the pension package was in place the day you started working, not the day you retire. And so it's very much set in stone. Um, and that creates these liabilities that the actuary has to figure out, you know, how can the city prepare to pay for that to make sure the money's there when someone retires? Um, and that that's very different than what, you know, you and I may do, which is just put in a little bit from our savings in the 401k, make some investments, see that pot of money grow, but are also kind of, you know, subject to the whims of the market and the finance. No guarantee. No guarantee. Right. I mean, that's the big difference here, right? Is, right. Is- yes. Well, so there used to be defined benefits programs in the private sector. They've long, right. largely gone away and they're only in. And one reason, one reason a defined benefit could work in the city is it's a fairly stable population. It's not like we're going to get rid of all of our municipal workers. So you have the liabilities are mature. And, and they go on forever, perhaps, but they don't grow at an enormous rate unless we hire a whole new bunch of people. Our Albany adds even more benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the sort of stream of benefits that could work. The problem is the governance of the pensions and the desire of politicians to not confront problems immediately means that that it's very, very tempting to assume that you're going to earn a whole lot of money and everything will come out fine. And and it's an odd, the asset allocation, yes, it's involved equities, maybe 60% equities, 60 to 70%. But 30% of it's in debt, which is just dead weight now. Why? Because mm-hmm. they're afraid they'll do worse than CalPERS or worse than someone else. So... In the end, it's a very political decision what the uh, what the asset allocation is. I not in jest. The last time I talked to the trustees, suggested that they should be one hundred and fifty percent in equities. They should go out and borrow money, put it in equities, and either they'd make enough to pay the damn things off or put us out of our misery, one or the other. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's a bold proposal. How'd no, that, no, but how'd that go over? Uh, like a lead balloon, mm-hmm. but. Would you actually do that if you were in charge? Yes. Well, we're already doing it in teachers. That's the funny thing. They said, no, you can't leverage. Teachers has something called the TDA program. And the TDA program is like a 401k. It's a 403b, but same idea. And it pays 7%. If you're in the UFT, if you're in another bargaining unit, eight and a quarter percent. And it's essentially a money market fund. How can it pay that much? It lends the money to their own pension plan and charges the pension plan that rate of interest. So they're already leveraged, and they're leveraged at 7% interest rate. Why don't police or nicers you know, leverage mm-hmm. at 1%, which is the going market for uh, for borrowing money? Interesting. So so you we mentioned two things. You said, uh, you know, the risk sort of balloons if the city – Adds employees, which well, it goes up. Yes, yeah. adding employees or, sorry, increases, yeah. it, yeah. which has happened. Yes, mm-hmm. and if 
pension sweeteners, right? Pension sweeteners are increased through Albany, which happens every year, or at least is threatened to happen every year. And Citizens Budget Commission obviously watches that like a hawk and and urges some to be passed and some to be vetoed. And you were going to say? And salary increases, right? That's the other part of the equation. Wage increases going through collective bargaining. Yes. That's right. right. Your final benefit is determined by what your salary is. And so that incorporates not only you know, the wage increases that the mayor and the unions will negotiate, but it also for many, including our uniforms, includes overtime. Um, And there's been documented evidence that shows that more senior, you know, there's, it's laid out in some contracts that senior employees get the first crack at overtime. So you're talking about the high, you know, people earning at the highest rate or bringing in the most overtime, doing the most overtime hours. But that's practically speaking the culture at most agencies. So there's a drive, you know, there's this real documented evidence that there's pension spiking at the end of a career to drive up those last few years of earnings and sort of max the pension as much as you can. And all of that goes into what the the size of the liability and how much the city has to contend with. And CBC, I assume, wants to see some reform on those rules to to cap um, that practice, those practices. Yeah, I mean, I think that we have tried to benchmark this to other state plans and um, found that you know even allowing any overtime into the final average salary calculation is on is not very common. Let alone letting it be unlimited as it is with some of the uniforms. Now the actuary assumes three percent growth in the liabilities. Uh, so it's increasing the population of employees or, or increasing wages or other benefits, benefits faster than 3% is what would change the calculation. And has that been happening? Uh, well, the latest round, yes. For yeah. a while it was dipping below. Uh, uh-huh. now, Under this mayor. Yes, it's yes. gone up ra- a little more rapidly. But that's not, that's not the main impact. Yes, it, it, it costs money. It's more structural. Well, it's structural in the governance of, you know, we have a couple good equity years like we've had now, and people think it's over. We're okay. We're okay. Mm-hmm. And we got extra money, let's spend it. And uh, That's right. it's actually the best thing that could happen is some bad equity markets that would bring everyone to their senses. When you say let extra money, let's spend it, you mean just in the general city coffers? Or? That and also to sweeten. Uh, well, so let's take an example. It's very recent. Yesterday, there was a meeting of the financial control board and the controller, Scott Stringer, was there and he said, you know, we're going to close out the, the June 30 year that just ended. The pension funds will have earned something like 18 percent, which suggests that that will now allow the city to decrease the amount over the and next few kidding. years. Right. So. The question is really, well, if your pension funds are underfunded, why wouldn't you leave the money in there? You can take it out and you can spend it. And that's what's been done already once under the de Blasio administration a couple of years back. So and and that's been the tendency of the city and not just the city, but others to say, oh, things are going well. Let's just take that money out and spend it. And we'll worry about making up any catch up payments later instead of sort of leaving it in as a reserve, if you will. Political. Calculations, as John was referencing right. earlier. So, 
Right. You know, the the other unique thing I'd add to just what John's saying about governance in New York City is that, you know, we've got five pension boards and the the five pension systems, five pension boards with a mix of representatives of the union and labor and management and city officials. And that is also very uncommon structure. That was my next question. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. You know, I don't I doesn't every controller run on changing this? What, What that most of them, you know, John Liu presented a plan Uh that wasn't even consolidating the funds. It was just consolidating the meetings. And I think, you know, Scott Scott Stringer, the current controller, has moved in that direction and and gotten some progress there to make the funds at least a little more nimble um, in their their decision-making. But for most other pension funds, especially the large ones, um, you could have a sole trustee model or something much simpler. Like the state, right? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. So what needs to happen there, John? I mean, well, in, in general, the governance is, I mean, all the trustees have day jobs, which conflict with their duties to the pension plan. I mean, to take not to beat up on teachers, they all have problems, but the teachers union trustees are voting as trustees of a pension plan to borrow money at a wildly off-market rate from their own members. Mm-hmm. The, 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 and and you can understand it's entirely in the interests of the of their members, but it's not really in the interests of the pension. Right. So the, these this is I think two feet. There are two features of New York City's pension uh, funds or pen benefits. Better uh, said, I think that are really really unique. And you know, so we have the pension. You as an employee have your defined benefit pension, which everybody has. If you are a police or firefighter who retires on service, you also get what's known as the variable supplement fund. So you get $12,000 check every December 15th. It's kind of been called a Christmas bonus by some. Um, and that that benefit is guaranteed in statute. It's not guaranteed. It can be changed because it's only in statute. Um, but it's provided, again, above the pension benefit. And that draws from the pension fund. That's where it's sourced from. The other that John has been talking about that's sort of more um, worrisome is this TDA, which is uh, you know an investment account. City employees can sort of say to the city, hey, I know I have my pension, but I want to give in a little more and you invest the money for me and you be the trustee of that money. But there's a provision of this TDA, this tax deferred annuity, that guarantees a 7% return. Now, everybody knows that interest rates have been at historic lows and, you know, since the crash happened. And so we're guaranteeing a 7% return on this money um, when, one, you can't get that in the market anywhere. And two, our pension fund hasn't even been making that return in some years. So it's a huge drain on the teacher's fund. The, the, this issue of guaranteed returns, I mean, to me, in, in some sense, makes a lot of sense because you want people to have a sense of security in retirement. But it's hugely problematic because you're at the whims of the market and – then you're in a situation where the city uh, budget is is supplementing, is making up for any uh, shortcomings in the market. So what's what's the answer? Well, to me, this is low-hanging fruit. Definitely, you shouldn't be burdening the pension plan. Now, everyone will say, but my God, look, it worked out well this year. The pension plan made 19%, so the money it borrowed, it actually made more money. But over the long run, it doesn't make sense. You can borrow money much more cheaply. Uh, so there's that. But it, 
there are many, many pieces. Pensions are complicated. I don't think the legislators know what they're voting for half the time. And for instance, we use outdated mortality tables. People live longer than they used to. I mean, that's, and, I and, can't understand how Social Security hasn't been modified. You know, yeah. that's a larger discussion. But but, yeah. but when when we people take an annuity, it's done with an outdated mortality table, which costs the city money because you know it's outdated. Uh, but we do that. There are many practices that make this worse uh, in the long run and are obscured from the public and, and pro- probably the legislators who vote for it. As you're talking about this, you know, I wasn't around for most of the Bloomberg era, but this is screaming to me, Bloomberg, you know, that, that this would be a Bloomberg fix, right? You know, remove oh, a lot of Oh, he tried to kill the VSF and got shot down in mm-hmm. flames. Yeah, that was proposed. That was floated during the recession and it went nowhere. To do what? To eliminate this VSF, this um, payment that uniform police and that additional fire, the supplemental, yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah. he, he went after that. Shot didn't down. go anywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, floated pension reform early on, didn't advance. You know, sort of in lieu of these structural reforms, what happened um, was that the city, the state allowed the city to borrow for operating purposes. It was seen as such a cri- as a crisis moment in 2001, you know, that um, the new mayor came in and this is, this was the, the fix. Um, so that never went anywhere. And then, but later when Governor Cuomo came on, Governor Patterson did some reforms on pensions that affected just state workers. Bloomberg, you know, the Bloomberg administration said, hey, what about us? You know, the increases have been skyrocketing here, you know, many multiple times greater than anything the state experienced. And they pushed. Um, and when Governor Cuomo came on, were included in the pension reforms. But Again, those, you know, some would call those reforms limited. Um, I think other places, other states have certainly gone further in reimagining what the the pension package is now. And, you know, the, Fed, the feds are one example where they have this more of a hybrid model, which you do get a defined piece. They guarantee you a piece in retirement, a uh, defined benefit. Um, but that's calculated on a smaller base. You know, it comes out to a smaller benefit. And what you get to supplement that is a contribution to something like a 401k. So it's called a hybrid model. And it's much more cost effective. And employees seem as happy with those as well. So in our last couple of minutes here uh, with John Bright, uh, we're talking about risk and liability and pensions and and really sort of um, complicated measures, but that very much affects city finances, city employees, folks who are not city employees, because this all goes back to the health, the fiscal health of the city. Um, if there was the political will, um, where to where would this where should the city start in pension reform? Is it is it consolidation? Well, it's silly having the five separate systems, but it's just wastes a few people's time. It's not the end of the world. Uh, Professionalize it as you – It should be more professional and, and in particular the boards, the governance should be more professional. Look, this is not going to destroy the city. It's a rich city. Uh, it may you know, start to eat into certain services people like. But what really is going to happen is the next generation – of city employees are not going to have a defined benefit because the way you we will get out of this is to 
you know, grandfather everybody who has a defined benefit, but have tier seven or tier eight, which is going to look an awful lot like a 401k. And that's almost inevitable. It'll be put off every time the stock market does really well, but that's where the city is heading. I mean, I, that's almost impossible for me to see city leadership again, you know, I mean. No, I have no choice. We have a, a nice equity crash down 20 percent and in uh, and the years of recession and there'll be no choice. They're either going to have to cut services or stop this. Well, on that note, no, 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 that's a very, that's a very, no, but that's a fascinating prediction and I think worth further examination and we'll certainly do that at Gotham Gazette and I know CBC will be doing that. So um, it's great to get your, your expert uh, perspective, John. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.